Thank you so much for tuning in to the Providence Community Podcast. We just, we pray today that God would do amazing things in your heart as you listen to this message. And uh, we ask for just the richest blessing on your family. And if you would like some more information about Providence Community Church, you can go to www.providencecommunity.org or you can also download our app in the App Store. We're so thankful that you tuned in and uh, we can't wait to celebrate all that God does in your life. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm excited uh, and humbled by the fact that uh, all the leaders went away and let us play. Um, I like the uh, running with scissors idea, um, but I like uh, maybe having dessert for breakfast a little better. So, I toyed with the idea of bringing ice cream in for everybody, but quite frankly, I couldn't afford it. So we either have to shrink the church to have that kind of fun or some other folks got to get on board with my rebellious spirit. Now, I want to talk to you this morning um, about adoption, sonship, and growth. And I want to do so from the heart of a father. And um, we're going to do some page turning. So if you got a Bible, get it out. If you got an app, uh, do whatever you do with apps, open it. Um, I still can't. Uh, I like my Bible app because it helps me search things in a pinch. And I can take it everywhere I go really easily on my phone. But uh, I can't get away from having the book. Amen. So, uh, while I'm jabbering a little bit, turn to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. So, uh, my name's Keith. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I have a beautiful wife, Christine, of 24 years this year. Uh, yep. Proof that there is a God. Because I married way out of my league. And uh, she's managed to uh, not figure out that she could run for me. So in 24 years, I still have her. And that's just, uh, if you're here and you're seeking and wondering if there is a God, there you have it. You're coming to Jesus today based on that miracle alone. So, uh, no, beautiful wife, Christine, of uh, 24 years, and three wonderful children, uh, Wyatt, Aaliyah, and Emma. I'm putting Wyatt and Aaliyah on the spot. Stand up, guys. There you go. <laughs> Emma's in the uh, far reaches of Pennsylvania, just uh, literally uh, almost across the road from uh, New York State. She serves at a camp for special needs adults and has been up there for like two and a half years now, I think. Um, we get her for a week here and a week there, but she's at Arrowhead Bible Camp, and um, the church has been gracious and supported her some in that endeavor, but it's a, it's a beautiful Christian camp set up up there. Um, so uh, I, I just wanted to... to share with you my family a little bit and let you know that I'm in a season of uh, releasing. Season of releasing. And uh, it's a beautiful season. It's a beautiful season. Because my kids are in a season of becoming. 
And that's really what I want to talk to you about this morning. I've entitled this message, and I don't put, they always call me on like Monday or Tuesday when they're getting ready to put the podcast up and said, what was the name of your message? I'm like, I don't know, make something up. I, I, I just don't do it very often, but um, uh, I've entitled today's message, The Celebration of Becoming. The Celebration of Becoming. In this season, I find myself uh, questioning as a parent that's releasing. Have I done enough? Have I done enough? Are they prepared? Are they ready? Did we do it right? You know, if you're a parent, boy, that question's just right there all the time, isn't it? Am I doing this right? Am I doing, you're calling people up. What'd you do when this happened? <laughs> oh, cry. that's not what I did. <laughs> right? But in this season of releasing, what you see are kids stepping into adulthood and kids stepping into um, what God has designed them to become. You know, what you can't see, just looking at a 21-year-old and a soon-to-be 20-year-old, is uh, years of pouring into them, years of academic study, years of wading through the emotions and the, and the uh, hormones and the uh, brotherhood, sisterhood tensions and the family tensions and all the things that happen kind of behind the scenes to some degree. Some of you have shared life with us pretty intimately and had windows into those things. Um, but this is an exciting season for me. I'm a coach at heart. And um, one of the best parts of, of being a coach, Pastor Phil Hope will resonate with this, is after the preparation, you release. You know? You build game plan, you do all these things behind the scenes where you practice and hope that you're instilling values and smarts. And uh, we've always wanted to raise our children uh, not so much to know everything, but to be able to think well on everything. So that when they got hit with a curveball, when the world was sending something that challenged what we had instilled, that they could critically analyze that against the things that we've tried hard to still, and uh, they could stand the test, and they could own it for themselves. Amen? That's the season I find myself in. I'm seeing the waves hit my young adults, uh, and I'm watching them stand. And um, it's a proud season in a lot of ways, and it's a humbling season in many more. Okay, so we're going to talk about that as a spiritual body. What does that look like? As a spiritual family, what does that look like? And I've got to do it in 17 minutes. So buckle up. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 3 to 6. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Wow, that's a, that's a heavy verse. Even as he chose us in him, Jesus, before the foundation of the world. Did you catch that? Chosen before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, to which he has blessed us in the beloved. Adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Predestined for adoption. Okay, so turn back one book to Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. Those of you that are kind of new to the faith and and new to your Bibles, uh, I can't help but get in this section of Scripture. And I, I remember when I was young growing up, they always taught us, General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's how you remember that section. Okay, there you go. That's a free one. Every time I go to Galatians or Ephesians, it always jumps in my head. General Electric Power Company. And you know where to go. Okay, little tool, little secret, all this pastoral teaching. There you have it. Galatians 4, did I give you the verse, uh, verses 4 to 7? But when the fullness of time had come, these are, these are, are you catching the, the, the pregnancy of these verses? I mean, it's just, it's incredible. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive Say it with me. Adoption as sons. Adoption as sons. When the fullness of time had come, Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, pulling us from a religious system into a relationship. Adoption as sons. And because you are sons, verse 6, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, crying, Daddy. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. I want you to know, I should have said this at the front end, but when I use the word son, Ladies, that is applying to you as well. This is a uh, Greek gender-neutral term that means sons and daughters, okay? So it's both of you, both of us, okay? So um, ladies, you're not excluded in this. Don't think that that uh, son term rules you out. Okay, one more. Romans chapter 8. Let's go there. Romans chapter 8. Right after Acts. 
Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17, and verse 23. Are you there? All right. For all who were led by the Spirit, who all, let me start over. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Amen. In verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies. What's all this business about adoption? I want to challenge your idea of adoption just a little bit. We tend to bring a Westerner's view to adoption, to the scriptures. And that's not totally incorrect, but it's not totally complete either. Okay? Adoption... has uh, two significant aspects within the scriptures. And I want to look at both of those. When I was a cop, 18 years, I did a lot of field sobriety, field coordination tests with people. And the one I enjoyed the most, yes, there was some enjoyment, was what we called the walk and turn test. Okay? Okay. And I'm not going to ask if anyone's ever performed this. Okay. Three standard field sobriety tests, walk and turns, number two. Okay. So what I would do is I would find a line and I would say to the person, put your both feet on your line. I want you to stand with heel to toe and your arms down at your side. And when I tell you, I'm going to ask you to walk nine heel to toe steps forward. When you get to your ninth step, I'm going to ask you to keep your front foot on the line. Use your second foot to make a series of small steps so that you're turning the opposite direction, place your foot back on the line so that your feet are again heel to toe and come back nine steps, touching heel to toe and counting each step as you take them. Think that's hard for a drunk? <laughs> well, over 18 years, I've seen lots of varieties of this test being completed. Okay, but one thing was consistent in nearly every person I tested. They'd truck down that line, turn around, and they'd truck back. And when they got back, they would say, I did it. <laughs> what did they remember? Walk on the line. Okay, that's all they remembered. And they thought 
if I walk that way on the line and I come back this way on the line, we're good. And the problem with that is it was one part of my instruction. And they were always surprised when they got back to hear me say, you didn't pass that test. Usually a small argument would ensue that always went, I stayed on the line. And I would say, yep, you did. But you didn't touch your heel to toe. You didn't count your steps. Your arms were like an airplane. You didn't keep them at your side. You turned improperly. Boom, boom, boom. All those things were part of my instruction. Right? The idea behind the test isn't, can you just walk a straight line on a line? The idea was, can you listen and follow a multitask instruction? We tend to look at Christian life one-dimensionally. One-dimensionally. There are many facets to growth in the Christian life. Adoption has more than one facet. You are adopted into the family when you give your life to Jesus Christ. When you accept the gift of salvation, God brings you in to the family. Okay? Now, what does that mean? Fire insurance, right? Heaven, not hell. Okay, that's not a choice of salvation. The choice of salvation involves much more. It involves a lot of what Calvin so eloquently stated in that we understand the gift that's totally undeserved but offered. We see Christ, who was made sin, even though he knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Adoption, when we are placed in the family, gives us a legal right to an inheritance and to become. It gives us a legal right to an inheritance and to become. That's part of being in the family. Three stages of becoming are illustrated for us in the Bible. And we're just going to look at the life of Christ. We have one word for son in the English language. You're a son. The Greeks had three. And I'm not a Greek scholar, okay? So I'm just throwing this at you so you understand where we're coming from. There is technion, which is a babe, a baby, an infant. There is technon, which the best way to think about that is kind of like adolescence. And there is weos which is someone who is of age being, stepping into adulthood, okay? The mature, 
In the life of Christ, we see Luke 2, verse 7, we see a babe in the manger, right? Infancy. Technion. In Luke 2, 41 to 52, and I am going to turn there. You can if you'd like. We see Jesus, the boy, in the temple. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up, according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, they were returning. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And his parents didn't know it. But, supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple. Parents, would you be a little frustrated? After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening. Big key word there. Listening to them and asking them questions. I just got to say this right now. If you leave here today and discover that you are spiritually adolescent, that's okay. But please be a listener and a questioner. Adolescence isn't always the time for opinion, it's a great time to listen and question. Jesus is a wonderful example. Where was I? Uh, Verse 47, and all who heard him, he did respond, were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be about, must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. I've got to really condense some things here, so... Hang on. We're going to go to Matthew in a minute, and we'll look at uh, Jesus at the age of maturity. But let me just real quickly go over these three stages. Infancy, think about an infant. There's basic needs. There's basic needs. There's a need for milk. What, what, are, what is the milk of Scripture? Milk is nourishing. Milk is nurturing. Milk is uh, the promises that, that just uh, encourage. Milk is that word that someone gives you in a time when you just need it. That's the milk. 
the elementary teachings of the scripture or the milk. And they're so needed for the infants in our midst. And don't hear infancy as a negative thing. When you see a newborn baby, what do you do? You just want to grab that thing and hold it and, you know, we pass it around and we talk about how beautiful it is and, you know, all that stuff. And then we hand it to Jordan so it can change a diaper. Right? Now, we love infants. Infancy is not a negative thing. Infancy is just a stage of growth. And the healthy body should be birthing. We should be bringing new people into the faith. We should have infants. I love when I get around infants in the faith. Love it. Infancy is about physical need most of the time, right? My immediate needs. That baby knows one thing. I'm hungry, right? I'm uncomfortable. I'm... It's all about, it's a, it's a necessary self-centeredness, okay? So the attack plan of the enemy in infancy is always to keep you in the physical. He knows that flesh wars against spirit, okay? So if you're in your infancy, beware that the enemy is trying to keep you on the physical. Had a beautiful encounter uh, real quickly with um, one of the believers in our, in our midst and uh, early on in their walk and, and we're meeting at Starbucks and they're talking about uh, their fears and um, I was able to speak a, a few simple truths and watch those fears dissipate. And a little bit later, months on down the road, I got a call from that same person. You know, there's a lot of emotion when we met that time and a lot of tears shed and a lot of that kind of thing. And I got a call a couple months later and he said, uh, Keith, I don't feel it anymore. I'm not feeling the emotion. You know what I said? Welcome to adolescence. You're transitioning. God's bringing you out of a season where you don't need to, to feel a certain way to, to, to receive a certain thing. That's a maturing. And we celebrated that together. Again, a simple truth that opened his eyes. This passage that I read on Jesus, the adolescence, is about that transition and an adolescence, if you think about uh, teenagers, right? Uh, I love teenagers. Love them. Love that season. It's either the best day or the worst day. There's no in between. You know, it's all emotionally charged. It's all about uh, the heat of the moment. There's such energy and vigor and all the things that we love about teens. You know, I can get a band of teenagers together, pump them full of truth and just cut them loose, man, and you better look out, right? <laughs> you just point them in direction and then, and then they just run. The enemy's attack is what? The emotion and the intellect of that time, 
right? Teenagers often think they know everything. You know what I'm saying? If you're a parent and they're not there yet, get ready. Because there will be a time where they just don't want to hear, they just have an idea, and that's it. Okay? That's the soul of a man, the emotion and the intellect. Jesus, as I alluded to already, listened and questioned, listened and questioned, listened and questioned. And when he was afforded opportunity, he had earned the right to share, right? But there was a process that was going on. And what I want you to hear about spiritual adolescence is it's being childlike, not being childish. It's an attitude of the heart that willingly submits, that willingly walks in dependence, that willingly has a reliance and a glad submission about it. Maturity. This is the second part of adoption. And real quickly, in the Hebrew culture, there was a um, significant time in the life of a son where a father would place him. Ceremony would be had. Everybody would be gathered. Be a public thing. And the father would say, something to the effect, this is my son. And I'm placing him. We see this in Matthew. Jesus in submission comes to the waters of baptism. John baptizes Jesus. And Jesus comes out of the water. And what does God proclaim publicly? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Significant act of that time. Significant declaration of the father over the son. I am placing my son. The Holy Spirit rests on Jesus. He goes into the wilderness and he comes out and begins his ministry. The benefits of being placed, adoption. When a father placed his son, he had the power of attorney. Use of the father's name in executing contracts and business. That give a new meaning to praying in Jesus' name. Use of the Father's wealth. When you were placed, you received your inheritance. Does that give new meaning to the storehouses of heaven? And while remaining in union with the Father, use of his power and authority the family name was your name. So I want you to see this morning 
that adoption into God's family gives you authority to become, to become the fullness of everything he's created you to be. What father looks at their child with limitation? You hear what I'm saying? Before the foundations of the world, you were. You are fearfully and wonderfully made to be all that He has created you to be. There's a process of growth that's got to come. See, the Father appointed the time. He didn't place the Son and give Him all those things until He recognized something. Right? Remember the prodigal? Demanded his inheritance. Had to go out and squander it before the heart change came and he came back. And then the father put the robe on and gave him the signet ring and all that was his, right? Process of becoming. A process of becoming. And there's so much more I wanted to say this morning, but let's bow our heads. I'm sorry, I'm already over. We read in John chapter 1, verse 12, but to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So maybe this morning, that truth rings true to you. Have you believed? Have you received? If not, ask him. Ask him for the grace of Calvary. Ask him for the grace of forgiveness. And he will give you the right to become. He'll adopt you into the family and he'll show you the best version of who you can be. If you've already made that decision and you're a Christ follower, then I ask you this. Are you becoming? There's a divine cooperation that occurs. You've got to want to grow. God has everything you need. But he's a good father. He's waiting for you to submit and grow. Where are you in your journey? Salvation is just the beginning. Let's get about the coming. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for each person here this morning. I pray that you would speak into their hearts.
show them the picture of all that they can be in you. I pray for hearts of submission that want to be all that they can be in you. Make us a body, Lord, that embraces infants, that embraces adolescence. Make us a body that desires to be placed by our Heavenly Father so that we can get about birthing And so we can see the fullness of your spirit operating through us. Thank you that you're a good, good father. Thank you that you see us right where we are. Hmm. Thank you for this moment. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, can you just stand to your feet?